show today. Our guest, David, David Marcuselli, you are maybe the only person that's ever messaged and said, I want to be on the podcast. And you said, you used a phrase, uh, what did, do you remember what you said? Not sure. I just said something along the lines of, you know, I really dig the ethos of your content and, uh, you know, it just I just vibe with it, man. It's it's the real deal. You, I think you said brothers from another mother. I might have said that. I think, <laughs> I think that's what or you said. Cut from the same cloth. Cut from the same cloth. I like yeah. that. You, um, and then upon doing my research, aka Colt, uh, doing some research, we realized that we really are. You, yep. you, there are a lot of things that we see the same about golf, and you have a um, a definite heel in the golf industry. Can you kind of give the listeners a background on uh, you know David's life in golf to to date? For sure, um, you've got 90 minutes. Go. No problem. It's a br- it's a brief history. Uh, we'll probably touch 90 seconds. So, uh, finished school, was studying hotel management in, in my undergrad studies, and was working in Aspen, Colorado, just ski bumming it, working in hotels, and uh, was playing golf every day with my buddies. And okay, hang on, can we just do uh, Aspen? Yeah, Aspen. I love Aspen. Yeah, best town on earth, man. It, but is it douchey? Uh, no, okay. the local scene is not. There's two scenes. There's two scenes. So you got your year rounds, right? And look, there's not a day that passes that I'm not like mentally in Aspen for just a brief time. I mean, if I could be there today, I, I would. It's just life was kind of passing by and I needed to step out. What? Do you, how do you, I mean, because I've been to Aspen, uh, I think once or twice and we actually did, I took my ex-girlfriend at the time who was, um, I had to talk her into it, but we drove from Aspen to Leadville over Hagerman Pass. Independence Pass. Independence Pass, yep. yeah. Yep. It was scary. It's unbelievable up there. When my parents came to visit, um, I knew the GPS would take them over Indy Pass, and I made sure not no, to no. tell them. Is Independence Pass, uh, I rode, I drove a dirt road. Oh. I think we did Hagerman Pass, dude. You did, man. You it was did. terrifying. That's gnarly. No, yeah. and we had a rental car, and I was like, she was like, I think we should turn around. I was like, we got it. Yeah, dude, no, <laughs> no, you went off the grid. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Independence Pass is like anyone can do that. Anyone can do it. I no. mean, yeah. We did Hagerman Pass. Okay, yeah. I did not send my mom and dad up Hagerman. <laughs> it's like off roading. <laughs> yeah, it totally is. <laughs> it's like an old logging road. Yeah, yeah. Um, that'd be a fun a golf adventure. I'm sure we could figure. For that sure, out. man. We'll go dig a couple cups out there, put some flags on the ground, and let it fly. Is there public golf in Aspen? Yes, um, the best public golf deal maybe on the planet. Um, Aspen Municipal Golf Course is unreal. Um, that's where it all started. That's what I was getting to. Um, Aspen Golf Club, when I was there, it's like 800 bucks a year. You'd have unlimited golf in downtown Aspen. I don't have a car, man. I was riding my bike out to the D- golf scene. DUI? No, no. <laughs> I, that's <laughs> what I always think. No, uh, somehow I don't have a DUI. But, um, you just don't need one in Aspen. I mean, I, I had a car. I got there and was like, I don't, I don't need this thing. It's just sitting around collecting dust or snow or whatever. Right. So <laughs> sold it, uh, walked, rode my bike everywhere. And uh, me and my buddies, I mean, we'd go out to Aspen Golf Club every day. I mean, it's unbelievable. And they pump rounds at that place because it's such a great deal for the locals. Um, and you're working at a hotel at the time. At the What's time. What's your job? Yeah. Um, at the time, I was a conference manager for a resort at the base of Aspen Mountain. Okay. So um, you're wearing a suit? Not really. I mean, it's, Oxford, it's, it's collared shirt. Wearing a collared shirt, you know, in the summer, khaki shorts, in the oh. winter, khaki pants. It's a pretty lax vibe, you know. It's and like the, uh, the like, you know, Federation of Postmen come and they're like thousand people. Yep. And you got to make sure that they all have good coffee and stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. Was exactly. that a great job or a, an awful job? Well, here's the deal. Um, it was a great job because it provided me 
the resources I needed to have a great time while I was in Aspen, right? When I graduated college 2009, I tried to find work back home in Connecticut and no one was hiring college kids, right? It was right. a tough time. So I was like, screw this, I'm going skiing. And uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of East Coasters have that, the yeah, ski bum yeah. dream. I had it. Yep. I didn't do it though. Yep. So um, I did it. I mean, I moved out to Aspen. It was going to be a ski season. And then five years later, you know, I'm leaving town. Um, but no, it was a cool job. I had a great time, worked with great people. Um, I got a little, I, I couldn't be authentic in my role. I mean, people are like, oh, my soup's cold or whatever. And I'm like <laughs> trying to keep it together. Like, you know, the world around us is crumbling and we're in this little snow globe in Aspen where everything's like fine, you know? And the, but right. the, here's the deal is they have a serious concern, a serious problem. And I'm not able to do my job because I'm faking it, you know, and right, I'm right. just inauthentic about it. So um, my time on a course in Aspen with my buddies, you know, best moments of life. And uh, I just decided, like, this is what I need to do. So I started from the ground up, man. I uh, was cleaning clubs at one of the private courses there, Maroon Creek Club, fantastic golf course. Uh, you were in the cart barn. I was in the cart barn, man, scrubbing hooks. Do you watch cart barn, guys? I follow Carp Barn guys. We're going to chill with them on Saturday. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. They're funny guys. They're pretty yeah. cool. I don't know them, um, but but they seem pretty cool. Um, actually, one of the best Carp Barn tricks of all time. Do I have time to share this? Of course. It's fantastic. We so, have all the time in the world. So we had the uh, Easy Go carts, and they've got the little like wallet basket up uh-huh. top. And you know to bring the carts down in the, in the garage, you've got this little ramp that goes down. And we just kind of stage carts, and whoever was free would run them down and um, we'd always unscrew like a water bottle and put it up there. So when the guy gets in the cart and hits the gas, the water just hammers him. Right. And it's cla- every time, every single time it's classic. And one time we're out there and we're standing on the cart staging area and a member comes walking up and he's like, Hey man, uh, just want to grab a quick cart. I'm heading out to the range real quick. And we had staged a water bottle, uh, <laughs> up there and this member gets in oh, and no. goes and hits the gas and just gets smoked with the water man and we're just standing there like oh my goodness who would do that who did that you <laughs> who know? on earth yeah, would do that yeah and we're like geez okay enough of yeah, that yeah that's uh that's dangerous territory yeah that is right i uh i'm not a huge prankster although i have done a couple pranks i can't remember the last prank we've done but um but that was uh that, that i would if anyone does if anyone listens to this and does that Definitely tag David. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good one, man. You know, the reaction's pretty good. Right. Um, so anyway, you're there, you're cleaning clubs, and you're like, I want more still. Yeah, I want more. So um, I'm cleaning clubs. I would caddied a little bit. Uh, I would mow some greens um, here and there. I went and took an internship in Bend, Oregon at the Tethero Golf Club. I've been in there. I've been there. Yep. I love that place. Yep. Cool place. Great golf ben, course. Bend is another one of the... You, you've really kind of lived my dream. I don't know if you realize that, but <laughs> I always wanted to work at a ski resort, and I've always wanted to live... I mean, I don't know if you consider Bend the middle of nowhere, but it kind of is. I mean, It kind of is, I mean, but there's 100,000 people there. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's a really cool town. Bend is actually really special because from L.A., they have direct flights. Into... Uh, I can't think of the name of the town. Regional something something. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, north RSM of Red, Redmond. Something. Redmond. Redmond. Yeah. yeah, it's Redmond. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember I I we went to Bend um, this year, and I went to Bend a long time ago and played Lost Tracks. Oh, dude, love Lost Tracks. What yeah. a great walk that is. Who That's designed Lost walk. Tracks? No idea. <laughs> That's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, I love Lost I love that. Absolutely no idea. Yeah. <laughs> They've got a train car part three. Yeah. yeah. You t- there's an island part three where you cut co- co- walk through it train car to get to it to that's get the to, bridge yeah, to over the bridge yeah exactly. yeah and it's it, you know it's a great fact right it's yeah. one of these courses where you're just like great course yeah. who cares who designed it yeah no idea I mean, well, no. you know because obviously you now we're going to yeah. get to this eventually but yep. you work with Nicholas. yep 
you you spend your life on you know the craft yep. of building golf exactly and uh, it's cool to know that there's a spot you're just like doesn't matter yeah fun I, spot I, I never it never mattered to me you really ever it's like if you have fun you know who cares I mean we'll get to this in a second yeah. but you know there's a point at which you play golf play golf play golf love golf working golf and then all of a sudden you care about the architect yeah yeah and that's like uh, that's kind of like. Um, you know, well, it's like bucket list kind of deal. You know, yeah. I, I don't know what it is. It's a cult following. Well, it's it's kind of like um, when you're when you transcend human form. You know what I mean? Sure, it's like it's sure. like you become a, yeah. a, a, a awakened being. Yeah. Well, it's like Andy. Andy Johnson yeah. says woke. Yeah. It's kind of like the woke. Yep. Golf when you start to care about that shit. Yep. Love Andy's content, by the way. He's great. Side note. Yep. I've loved spending time with him and learning from him and hearing him complain. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, we can touch on that subject in a minute too, but uh, let me wrap up my story because I'm getting long winded here. Um, it's all good. We're only nine minutes in, dude. Okay. So it feels like 30. <laughs> uh, it does feel longer than yeah, it is. Yeah, it does. Um, all right. So Ben was pretty short lived because. Uh, the rental market is ridiculous there. You just can't rent houses in Bend. I, I was showing up like with cash in hand and they were like, yeah, that's not really how it works. And they're like, if you want to buy, like I can get you in a home today. And I'm like, no, no, like yeah. I'm here for a couple months. So, um, doubling back in my hospitality background, um, I got a job with Kemper sports management as, uh, first director of sales and marketing for, uh, golf memberships at a private club and eventually assistant general manager. So um, you and I know what Kemper is. A lot of people yep. out there have no clue what it is. They, they manage uh, Bandon, yep. all the Kaiser properties. Yep. They own Stream Song yep. and keep going. Yeah, so I mean, the list goes on. What else does Kemper do? The list do? goes on. So, um, you know, they're a management company, right? So they, they operate. So we all know their flagship properties, right? Um, but I was at some of these kind of fringe market properties in uh, – Westchester, New York, and and uh, south of D.C. Um, in those roles, and they're great clubs in their own, um, but no one's ever heard of them. I mean, mm. Swan Point and Mayapak Golf Club. Uh, Haven't right? heard. No, of exactly. <laughs> so, um, but you know, these these are these are the properties that fill the cup for for Kemper Sports. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, they. That's the appetizer at the restaurant where they make all the dough. Yeah, man. Interesting. So, um, you know, they they basically collect a management fee. Uh, from these clubs and it's a monthly kind of deal mm. um, I'm sure the number ranges from club to club depending on volume and whatever that whatever it is they do um, but you know I'm there as a Kemper representative managing the day-to-day -day operations of, of these clubs and um, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic where uh, you're employed by Kemper Sports but you are at Mayapak Golf and Beach Club and or wherever um, and the membership or the board of directors, they come to you as an employee of their club, right? And there's this kind of this balance where you have to keep the Kemper people happy and, and keep your members happy at the same time. Right. It's, it's pretty interesting. So anyway, um, at the time, I'm in, back in school uh, earning another degree in agronomy. Um, but I Why? Because that's a great question, man. Still answering that. <laughs> um, because um, you wanted to, you wanted to be recognized by no laying up. Yeah, as well, a resident agronomist. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> that's funny. I've, I've written a couple articles for those guys. Uh, Great actually, guys. Actually, probably some of the best work I've written for them hasn't been published. Um, Interesting. Yeah, no fault of theirs. There's, there's been some controversial. The topics. man, the man's yeah. trying to keep yeah. you down. Man. Yeah, no, no. No, uh, controversy is uh, you know you got to kind of play careful with that. Yeah, no, for sure. And my take, um, you know, my opinion might differ from 
where the PGA Tour, you know, calls their bread and butter, whatever they're making their money on. Well, for those listening, David, I'm going to invite you to become as controversial as you'd like on the second half of this podcast. But for now, um, you're going to, you make the decision to go to agronomy school and you don't know why. Well, I, uh, basically I knew I wanted to have a life in golf. And, um, at the time I'm 27, 28 years old, leaving a, a great industry in hotel management. Right. And I'm starting anew basically. And, um, don't get me wrong, I'm a hard worker. I mean, I, I put the time in, but I knew that having uh, further education in a field that I was interested in would help push help push the envelope. So um, I kept my job with Kemper because it paid me better than as an intern with a ground screw or whatever it right. was. So um, I, I was making better money. And then when the time came, I you know, would go out and help with the crew on Saturday or Sunday and kind of, you know, balance that act between school and, and work. And uh, I finished and got um, a job as an assistant superintendent at Desert Mountain Club here in Scottsdale. Um, great facility, six Jack Nicholas courses there. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, the landscape there is fantastic. Um, so basically, I'm at Desert Mountain and Jack has a site visit and he's there with his senior uh, designers at the time, and they're looking for a young guy who's interested in that line of work. And I just met the right people at the right time, and that's how I got to where I am today. And where is that? Um, I'm currently, a design coordinator uh, with with the Nicholas Design Team. What does that even mean? So I am on site every day uh, with the shapers and with the construction crew, and I basically am responsible for maintaining and implementing the design integrity through the construction process. So I'm on the ground making decisions and problem solving in real time, where my boss, Chris Cochran, um, who has worked for Nicholas his entire life. Whoa. Um, and he's stellar. I mean, he... So he, he is t- he, in a large part, uh, architectural force? Yes, yes. So, so you're, are you like the foreman kind of? More or less, you take yeah. the plans and you're responsible for them. Exactly. So, That's so gangster. So Chris, Chris draws it up, um, and his resume is miles long. Mm. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm in incredible hands, and I'm learning every day from him. And uh, so he gives me the plans, and I go out in the field, and um, you know, I'm with the guys, and and I'm saying, you know, we need this bunker here, we need these tees here, the green pitches back this way. We're gonna roll that front edge of that green that way, or what have you give me a little contour in this fairway over here and um you're turning me on bro yeah so uh <laughs> so i'm out there you know i'm just out there envisioning the game that i want to see or what i think is cool and then uh cochran will show up and say i like what you did here or i don't like what you did there and we'll kind of revisit it till we get it right and uh it's it's an it's a great role and i'm excited for the next steps but uh this is kind of where i'm i'm cutting my tooth so, and, and when did you start that? Uh, I just got that offer in November. Whoa, yeah. it's brand new. Yeah, it's pretty new. That's so, exciting. Um, between Desert Mountain and the deal with Nicholas, um, I lacked the construction experience. So I went and uh, got a job as an assistant foreman, basically, with a construction company. And we were just rebuilt the Phoenician Resort Golf Course. So I spent all last year doing that. So I get a lot of messages about like, oh, you know, I want to work in golf. And I mean, I feel like you've sort of answered in some ways a lot of those questions by explaining your own experience and just kind of sounds kind of like living in like, a, you know, just a move towards the light 
I mean, that's the cheesiest possible. That's the most Oprah way of saying it. But just move towards like the the like the availability, right? Like just doing what you got to do, and then just keep sort of reorienting like a sailboat. Kind of like, okay, well, where's where do I want to go next? Well, I want to. I don't know. I want to go to agronomy school. So to go. So, my biggest fear in life is that an opportunity will present itself and I'll pass on it. And five years down the road, I'm going to say, dang, I should have done that when I had the chance. So when I had an opportunity to get in golf, um, I did, right? And it was cleaning clubs. And how do I further this, right? How do I push this to the next level? Because I'm enjoying what I do and I'm enjoying the environment and the culture I'm surrounded in. Um, The answer, school worked for me, but um, that's not it. I mean, I, dude, I grinded. I mean, the Phoenician job last summer, 118 degrees for however long, you know, 75 hour weeks. I mean, there's no escape in the sun. There's no escape in the heat. Like nearly killed me twice out there. I mean, um, it's a grind. Like here, here's the deal. You can have all the qualifications, you can have all the education, uh, but can you do the work, you know, show up, you know, just, just be there and, 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 and work hard. And you create your, you create what you want. I mean, that's, I don't know any other way to put it. Yeah, I hear that a lot, and I and I see that a lot because it's not. I mean, I don't think of what we do as something that's terribly precious. You know what I mean? Like it's mostly just that we were in the right place at the right time, and we put in the ninety nine percent. You know, Woody Allen says perspiration, one percent inspiration. And I mean, you know, it's just like just get up early. Yeah, you know, and you just and and it it's it makes it easier to be inspired by the work. Yeah, that definitely helps, but. I could imagine cleaning clubs. Like, I would just be like, get the fuck away from me. Like, get out of here. I don't care about (laughs) your fancy whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. But there's a purpose beneath that. And as long as you can put away the, like, I don't want to be here right now thing. And just, like, did you find yourself having a hard time um, with it? Like, like, because I read something the other day that was, like, try not complaining for the entire day. Impossible for me. I mean, uh, (laughs) I'm, you know, I I try and have a positive outlook. But in my own head, I'm like, oh, you know, this sucks or that sucks. (laughs) um, Those people suck. And, like, I, for, for me, the hardest part about getting to the opportunities that I have now and the opportunities that, you know, will come before me, um, is complacency. And obviously through, you know, through the conversation you and I just had, I've, I've bounced around a lot. And a lot of that is I've, you know, I'm spinning my wheels now. Like what's the next right now? No, no, not now. No. Uh, in those other roles. Right. Right. So I, I, you know, I've, I've shown up, I've put in the work and now I'm done learning in this current role. What's, what's next? How can I, how could, how do I challenge myself? How do I go out there and continue to learn something new. And, um, that's really what drives me. I mean, I want to be out there and I want to be problem solving and figuring things out and have this cause and effect mindset out in the field where if we put this here, you know, is that going to push water this way? Is that going to, you know, inhibit a a sight line or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. So, um, I'm, I'm, what gets me going is the ability to think and problem solve and create solutions. And that's, that's why I love what I do right now. A lot of people show up to a golf course and never, never, never consider your, your entire life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the hundreds and probably, I don't know, tens, twenties, thirties, thousands, hundreds of thousands of men and women who have really, um, spent their entire lives trying to just make a golf course yep. better yep. or, you know, if you're at a resort, right, there are people that are literally spend, you know, 40, 50 hours a week trying to make your experience of that fucking golf trip yep. 
good. Yeah, right. I know. And 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 so interesting. You're like the Fight Club of it all. You're like I've been in. I've been washing your towels, cleaning your clubs. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm shaping your green. Yeah. And I'm and I'm, and it's so interesting that we kind of walk through a golf experience, not really realizing that. Even if you play golf alone, it's still you still there's still a lot of people that are involved in your round of golf. Oh my goodness, it's unbelievable. And shaping a bunker, shaping a green, that, dude, that's nothing, right? That doesn't that's that's the easy side of it. Try installing miles and miles of irrigation pipe and the wire that goes in the ground along with that and the drainage that, you know, the herringbone drainage that's underneath every green you step on. Hang on, hang on. Herringbone drainage. Well, that's, My yeah. interest is peaked. Yeah. Tell me everything I need to know about yeah. herringbone drainage. It's the pattern. It's the pattern of the of the. It's like a cross. It's like a check pattern. Yeah, pretty much. There's and, like a main line coming down the center, right? And then you've got these branches coming off, uh, whatever increments might be. I know, like like Troon has their own specs for greens drainage and bunker drainage, and USGA has their own specs. So it just depends on the client and what they're trying to accomplish. Ooh, you know what we can talk about? Tory Pines. Okay. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about the money. Okay. Like, to, You're I, not going to like my opinion. I don't give a shit. Okay. I, your opinion is your opinion. Yeah. All I know is I read Andy Johnson said, uh, what was it, a million? Yeah. A million for the irrigation alone on Tory? Well, it's a $14 million bunker renovation and irrigation renovation project. And we're talking about a public course. Yeah. So a, taxpayers are paying these dollars. It's a San Diego City Municipal Golf Course. Okay. I heard that, and I and you know the last thing I did was I met with Keith and Riley, talked about Winter Park. Yep, awesome talked guys. about yeah, awesome guys. Talked about how they handled the uh, design as well as the construction. Yep, in order to save the municipality potentially three x. Right, at least, at yeah. least. Yeah. So they turned a three million dollar project into a six hundred thousand dollar project. Yeah, incredible story. And then I go hear about Tory Pines. I'm kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, what? What? How do they make this mistake? And they're just a bigger, more intelligent, hopefully, version of Winter Park. Yeah. I mean, I, I see the comparison that you're making, and you're not wrong in thinking that way. Um, I don't know all the details of the project. I don't know what regulations are involved and what have you. California is expensive. You live there. It's a tricky place. It's not Orlando. Um, not that Orlando is a cheap place to live, but I imagine the regulations of Torrey Pines Nature Preserve are different than city center uh, Winter Park. Um, that being said, you've got a bunker crew. You've got an irrigation crew, right? We're talking about La Jolla, California. Uh, you've got maybe 40, 50 guys that you have to supply housing for. Um, we're talking a prevailing wage job that I doubt, I, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm speculating that Winter Park is not a prevailing wage uh, Interesting. place. So kind of a union thing you're talking? Right. So we're talking about, you know, an irrigation crew that I have out here might be making $15, $16 an hour. An irrigation crew in a prevailing wage job might be making $40, $45 an hour. I, I, don't, I don't know, but it's a lot. And that's why people flock to those jobs when they get them. You know, you get a guy on your crew who's like, hey, man, a prevailing wage job just came about. You're like, all right, call me when you're done because I, I can't pay you that. You know, you got to go and take that opportunity while it's there. So right. um, without looking at their bid proposal, without looking at the documentation that goes along with Tory Pines, I imagine a lot of that money is being spent off the golf course. Like where? Like housing and like, oh. and like hourly wages. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not, 
the cost of pipe is different in Torrey Pines. The cost of sand is not different at Torrey Pines. It's it's everything else that that's the politics that come along with that job. So, are you making excuses? Or do you, or do you, no. So, what what do you mean? I'm not going to like your opinion. I just. What is your opinion? Oh, well, it is what it is. I think it just is what it is. Okay. And, um, my opinion of the golf course, uh, you know, <clears throat> more work at Torrey Pines isn't going to isn't going to make it worse. Um, I think you know the course probably leaves a lot of people wanting more um, with the incredible views that it has to offer. Um, but my opinion of the project is probably that that number. It's really not that far off. It's not that crazy when really? Twitter's blowing up about it or, or whatever because it's not it's not the it's not the scope of the job itself that makes that number. Well, I'm glad we talked about it yeah. because you know I I am not you know like I'll I don't go on Twitter very much. Yeah. Uh, but when I do, I basically follow eight people. Yeah. And so I'm going to see Andy's like yeah, yeah. rants, and I saw it, and I was kind of like. You know, I agree with Andy. Fuck that. And it's like, well, you know, not everybody's right all the time. Yeah. Or, and, and it's interesting to have another point of view. Uh, I'm not going to get Andy on the phone right now. Yeah. But. <laughs> Andy, Andy's right, too. I mean, he's not wrong for thinking that. You know, the that cost is mind-blowing. I mean, that's a lot of... You know what we could do with $14 million and create a golf freaking complex, a compound with that money? It's unbelievable, but... Um, to do what they're doing there, I'm sure every cent of that is accounted for. Right. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's excessive excessive spending to get the job done. So you've got, um, you know what? Let's go to a quick break, and then when we come back, I want to talk to you about, um, you know, what we could do with that 14 million, that idea of of the future of golf. Okay. Stay tuned. All right, folks. You know. My favorite golf shoe, don't you? I think you do. It's three-stripe life, y'all, and that means Adidas. Um, and so anyway, I just wanted to tell you that when I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Tour 360, obviously, and uh, they've made a huge update to the Tour 360, and uh, the two letters that it's concerned with are the letters X and T, okay? The Tour 360 XT changes the game, okay? It's lighter. So your feet feel even better after a round. By the way, a light golf shoe is what I'm all about. A heavy. There are some other companies making heavy golf shoes, and I'm just like, by the way, I weigh enough. There's enough going on. I'm carrying a golf bag. I'm carrying my team. Um, Tor XT changes the game. It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round, and it still features that boost, y'all. Do you know where boost comes from? It And boost is cool because it only comes in black and white. I don't know if you noticed that. And actually, they the guy who made boost like was going to bring it to some other, you know, they, they were shopping it around, and everyone else said no. Adidas was like, I'll take that boost, even though it's only black and white. And what did Adidas do with it? They made it awesome. I'm looking at boost right now on my feet boost on my feet uh and it has an x-shaped traction system that gives you insane stability literally it's not sane it's literally crazy your feet will literally be like i'm crazy best part it comes in spikeless Ooh, that's tight the first spikeless ever in the history of the tour 360 crazy comfortable and perfect for the course get your pair at adidas.com thank me later follow adidas golf for all the latest and greatest that's all true statements right there check it out go support adidas because they're a good company good people i like it Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people 
in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now check out this podcast. So what? So I know you're involved with some interesting projects that are coming up. Um, we can talk about those. But I think also I would just kind of like to hear in general, obviously you now, you know, it was this morning I was talking to some guys from Golf Channel and we were talking about um, once you kind of get inside the golf industry, you forget what your perception of the golf industry was like before you were inside. For sure, man. Yeah. And and they don't they're not the same. No. They're just it's impossible for them to be the same. They're not they're not wildly different necessarily, but the um the view is just different. And yeah. and and I was trying to remember how I felt about this and that and the future of golf and you know, um a, a certain tournament before seeing it and meeting the people that put it on and whatever, whatever, whatever. Or or even just, you know, lost tracks. Like love that course. Don't know anything about it. Now Looking back, I'm like, oh, I know so much more about course design. Like, you know, what I, how would I feel about that course now? It'd be interesting to go back. But, you know, when, when we talk about what the future of golf is going to be like, you know so much now. How do you think that that is, you know, do you care? Obviously, you do. What, of course. How, how has it changed? How do you see it? You know. I hate this question, by the way. You yeah. Know, go. Yeah, <laughs> no. Agree. And I do, too. Um, so thanks for asking it. But, uh <laughs> Where do I see the future of golf going? I mean, obviously, time is an inhibitor, you know. Um, it's a barrier of entry. Obviously, cost is a barrier of entry. Uh, in the world of immediate gratification, um, how do you get people to shut their phones off for four or five hours, right? How do you get people to just turn everything off and go and enjoy being out in nature? Well, uh, I think the answer to that is... Uh, somehow finding a way to limit the cost and maybe it's providing you know, you know at municipal golf courses right let's say uh tory pines okay um tory pines has an offer you know for San city of san diego high school students where you can come and play one round a month and we have the clubs for you to go and enjoy I mean, that's a bad example because they're making so much money on filling every tee sheet every day um but you know apply that to Des Moines, Iowa, apply that to fill in the blank, right? And uh, I, I think, you know, there's got to be some sort of, I don't know if it's a nonprofit organization that ends up growing the game or whatever it is, but someone's got to throw the industry on their shoulders and make the game more accessible to the masses, um, you know, introduce the game to a lot more people. And um, I love what Top Golf is doing. I mean, I think that's great. Um, they've nailed it, man. For, with a hospitality background like myself, I walk in there and I go, these guys nailed it, you know? Right. And, you know, uh, my girlfriend loves it. She's not a golfer, but she can go and have a margarita or have a glass of wine and hit balls for hours, you know? And right. it's, it's a great time. We bring her parents. We bring the whole family. And, like, it's it's great. You go to the one at Talking Stick? Yeah, we that's go to Talking Stick. Yeah, it's a good one. And I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not recommending the top golfization of golf, right? Because golfers like you and me we need you know we need our temple man we need a yeah. place to go i don't really like top golf yeah um it's not that i dislike it it's just that i would never go yeah i'd much rather go and play three holes at you know wherever i play yeah you know and, and go and do that top golf kind of fucks me up because i'm like i don't want to play a video game yeah i don't drink yeah i don't really like loud music and i don't like crowds yeah so and granted <laughs> the only time i've been to top golf is like at the pga show when yeah. it's just like everybody Everyone's on earth there. is there yeah. but even still like I'd rather, you know, we found this little um, nine-hole pitch and putt in Beverly Hills. Yeah. That's where I will go. I've been to one in Santa Clarita. I can't remember the name of it, but it is awesome, man. And there's like a million rabbits running around the <laughs> golf course, and it's like the coolest experience ever. I mean, you you know, the lights are on, and 
it's nine o'clock at night and you're out hitting wedges and putting around with just rabbits like running under your feet every shot. It's a really cool place. Um, so someone comes to you and they say, look, you know, I love, I love golf. What should I do? Yep. What should I do? What do I need to do? Yeah. What do I need to do? So, um, one of the, one of the things I'm working on, um, is basically creating a, uh, community centric, uh, recreational area, right. That has golf around it. In my eyes, it's built around golf, but golf is very small in what that offers. So, um, you know, for example, you have a concert and events pavilion that maybe does Friday night concert series and around the clubhouse or the community center, you have a 18 hole putting green where you have a pint and a putt while the concert's going on Friday night or what have you, right? It's Is that already trademarked? No, but <laughs> we, we can, uh, you know, I'll go in on that. Because um, my mom and dad just heard it and they might steal the idea. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> hey, mom and dad, by the way. Um, my dad's name is David. Oh, great name. Yeah, great. So, um, you know, another thing I'm, I don't have I don't have land acquired for this kind of like project I'm working on um, yet. Uh, that's in the works, but you know one of the things we're talking about uh, a town in Connecticut that I grew up in and um, implementing this kind of community golf project. And I think this works everywhere. And this is how you get more people into the game. Um, so you have your concert pavilion, you have your Friday night pint and putt, uh, whatever. Um, you have a great practice facility, right? And maybe you got six, seven, eight, nine target greens out on the driving range. Those, you know, Friday night while the concert's going on, those target greens become a pitch and putt under the lights, right? And there's music going and you're out there with your kids, you're out there with grandma and grandpa and everyone's just having fun. Um, the golf course itself, um, you know, I like, I, I'm infatuated by this idea of courses inside a course. Um, so with the idea I'm trying to bring to my hometown, um, basically I'm trying to provide a, at least a nine hole facility for like the high school team to go and play and have their events on. But inside that, uh, you got a par three tee on every hole. Um, so everyone can play no force carries kind of deal. Um, on top of that to, to tickle my heartstrings, uh, you know, I'm talking about doing hickory tees. So having a hickory course inside the regulation golf course where, um, you know, you bring the strategy of the golf course within 220 yards off a tee and you basically create a set of hickory tees uh, to play the golf course. And uh, how that works is uh, you got your little sandbox on the tee, right? You tee your ball up on the little sand pile. Um, this, is, this is the way it used to be. Yep, yep. It used to, used to be you would... Uh, you, was there like a you, there was a little like cone that you it's were like given. a little cup yeah. yeah yeah and you would basically fill it up with sand and then tip it over yep. and then you would place the ball on top of it yep and the, having the uh, agronomic background I do um, I'm you know I want to give that aesthetic to those tees and maybe even that landing area off the tee where um, those sections of the golf course are grassed with like uh, 1920s South German bent grass or like what you know old world kind of turf types that give that real aesthetic. Um, and you know, that, that's not how you grow the game. Right. But that's like a cool example of some of the things that I'm thinking about. And, uh, you know, I think it's, 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 it's gotta be more than just golf. Right. So you gotta get people to your facility, whether that's through a concert series, um, being in Connecticut, I want the driving range to also have, 
uh, sledding tubing nights, you know, when you got a storm coming through and you got a little waffle barn set up up top, hot cocoa, whatever. Waffle barn. Yep. And then cross-country ski trails uh, throughout the golf course, what have you, uh, multi-purpose trails in the summer. And um, You just got to open the doors, man. It's going to have to be more than just golf. I uh, I like everything you said. I disagree with you, though. I, I think it is how you grow the game of golf. Sure. I think, you know, one of the problems that people run into is they don't want to play because they just feel like they're being sold. Yep. And and uh, for a dollar. Yep. Right? Or whatever. And and what you're talking about is not really selling. You're talking about um, story, right? Storytelling. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. what's that? That's a hickory club, yeah, okay? Yeah. No, this is where cool. it all started. Yeah. Why is it sandy? Oh, that's because that's the way it used to be. Yeah. And I think that's something that... Um, you know, I think I think you know we don't give ourselves enough credit for being interested in history, and golf has it. Yeah, more than any other sport. More than any other sport. Man. More than That's any incredible. other sport. Yeah. Like, and so. I'm a baseball nerd, right? Yeah. So love I, I love you know the history of of the game. But w- when I got into golf, I was like, dude, home, you know, golf is overwhelming. Like, you can nerd out for hours and hours, lifetimes, and not even scratch the surface of the history of the game. Yeah, you know. Well, and also what you're t- the other the thing that when I heard you talk about the. Um, overall project yeah it's the thing i'm hearing over and over is like flexibility yes you know and um i don't see that a lot no man and you know so one of the main concepts obviously land dictates everything i don't want to like people that are in in the industry are going to hear this and be like that kid doesn't know what he's talking about but obviously i know the land dictates everything so i'm working on that right um how old are you uh 31 awesome yeah so the uh, you might not know what you're talking about no that's cool though i might i'm learning it'd be you know orson welles made fucking citizen kane at like 24 yeah, he like he like DP he did everything. Yeah. He didn't know what he was talking about. Yep. But he fucking went in and even though he did things backwards, he made something different. Yeah. And you know, that's that's really a big part of it changing. Well, so I hope you don't know what you're talking about because then you might actually do something interesting. Well, I've never been afraid to put my ideas out there. And, yeah. you know, and I'm I'm not a writer, but I love writing and I love putting it out there, right? And um I'm open to all the criticism that comes with it because you put yourself out there. There's going to be critics. Yeah, uh, you just got to stand up to it, man. I got so, some haters. So back to the flexibility thing. Um, you know, I've got a couple parcels of land in mind um, for this project, and uh, you know, I'm waiting on some some things to come through to acquire those. Um, but basically, the idea for the golf is to have three whole loops, right? Uh-huh. So you've got various sales categories. Um, you know, I, I've only got 30 minutes. Cool. We'll go play, you know, loop a or whatever, go play loop C. Um, you know, and I don't think I want to have 18 holes, but I want to have some multiple of three. So whether that be nine, 12, 15, what have you, I can't remember the last time I played 18. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I, just I, can't. I play on Sunday with a group. Uh, that's about the only time I go and play 18 holes. Yeah. But, um, and when I play time. 18, what, what do you think when you do play 18? Uh, I'm, like 14th tee box what are you thinking i'm like i'm done man like fucking done yeah no i'm done i love this game and i'm done i love the game and obviously i spend my life around it and i love the guys i play with they're they're a great crew um but i don't i don't care about the last four holes man imagine if i was like yo let's go bowling yeah for four hours (laughs) let's go sit on a plane for four yeah four hours is too long it's too long it's too long and i and i feel like such a dick saying that no, you're not, man. I'm an industry guy. I'm supposed to be like, 
you know, this industry pays my bills. This yeah. is how I pay off my student loans. And By the I'm way, saying we might have something wrong here a little bit, you know. 18 holes of the old course was, didn't take four hours, I bet. No. In fact, Prestwick, we went to Prestwick. They played three rounds in a day. <laughs> they did 12 holes. They yeah. literally played two, and then they had lunch, and then they came back and played a third round. Yeah. And yeah. that was the open. Yep, that's fantastic. It was in one day. Yeah, open road, of course. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> doesn't make any sense no no we've great. literally the the saddest part is is it's like people are scratching their heads on private jets wondering why golf doesn't work and they're just flying right over scotland yeah no, and they have no fucking clue yep they, they literally can't even look down and look at the kids course at gullin the himalayas well wait how long has the himalayas been in the old course is that new i don't think so no we don't know no, but anyway know. let's pretend it's 500 yeah. years old yeah the it's point not. is it's not but <laughs> yeah. the point is it's all there yeah man and, and for me, you know, looking at that model, right, and how the game became so popular there, um, the golf course is a community amenity. It's not a revenue center, you know. They break even, like, great, we had an awesome year, you know, but it's there for, for the residents of the town. It's there to give them something to do, and um, that's the idea that I'm trying to push forward is um, a community asset, not, you know, some of my – companies I mentioned earlier that, you know, that I work, that I worked for, I mean, they live and die by spreadsheets and, and all this. And I'm like, well, you, you know, grow food and Bev, do this and do that. I'm like, you're kind of missing the point. Like we're, you know, <laughs> we're managing a golf course. Like, you know, let's open the doors. You're worried about selling more cheeseburgers. Like, no, I'm like, let's get more people on the golf course. You right. know, let's, let's find a way to make this more interesting or more fun for everyone else out there. And, you know, I don't, you know, you look at Tory Pines model, $14 million, like no one has that money to go and do a new project, right? That's crazy. Um, a project I'm thinking about is like, you know, scruffy edges, but interesting contour and fun, you know, a fun challenge and like maybe single row irrigation down the fairway, not miles and miles of laterals pulled across every fairway of every hole. And, you know, you water your greens, you know, pull a hose if you have to, you got spots drying up out there, that's fine. Put some quick coupler heads out there and and, and pull a hose, man. You know, right. it just doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be Tory Pines everywhere. It's so interesting. You know, there, I can, there's been a, there's been a handful of times where my mind has been blown on the pod. And, uh, I think that this was one of them, you know, the idea that, you know, what I don't, you know, the old course, for example, the idea of it not being a revenue center, but being a community amenity. Yeah. Like we have completely forgotten that. And I'm really excited to share. You'll dig it when you, when you, when we do air it is the Craig Kessler episode. Uh, so he's the head of the SCGA and he was like, look, how much does a baseball diamond make in the right. town? How much does a soccer field make? Right. Well, why does a golf course have to make all this money? Right. Shouldn't it just break even? Yeah. All of a sudden these municipal courses or whatever, or, you know, and then you, you transition out into this weird kind of gray area of public courses that are privately owned. Like, I mean, that's fine. It's great. It's, it's great. You know, we're, we were just, we were at, um, you know, TPC Scottsdale, you know, and it's kind of, it is an interesting thing. I actually thought about this last night. We were, we were driving down the fifth fairway of TPC Scottsdale and we're looking around and we're just like, man, this place is perfect. Yeah. Every part of it. Yeah. They nailed it here. How many different mowing levels do they have here? Like seven, eight? It's crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, you got, you got dormant rough, you got step cut, intermediate height, you got fairway, you got tees, approach, greens. I mean, it, it never ends. Man. <laughs> it's gangster. Yeah, it dude. never ends. But it thought, reminded me of this idea of 
the way we experience the world online. Yeah. And the Jenners, for example, or, or uh, Kylie Jenner, right? Like, sure. she is not real. <laughs> right. Is she? No. She's retouched, like, yeah. and both, like, physically. Yeah. Uh, surgically, yeah. but also retouched on the computer screen. Yeah, the image we have, we perceive is not reality. And that's kind of like TPC Scottsdale. It's yes. like all of a sudden we think every course should be like that? No, man. No. So let me tell you something real quick. So uh, heading back to the uh, No Laying Up guys, uh, they released an article that I did for them leading up to the Open Championship last year at Carnoustie. Um, I reached out to the head greenskeeper of Carnoustie, shout out Craig Both, um, great guy, answered all my questions immediately. Um, one of the questions I ask is, uh, you know, what fertilizers, what chemicals are you spraying, you know, pre-tournament, right? What's going on, on the ground, you know, before the tour comes in or before the event comes in? And he's like, uh, no nothing, you know, like nothing, you know? <laughs> And uh, I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm like, this guy's about to host the Open Championship. He's not putting anything down. So um, I ask, like, you know, what, what's, a, what's your day going to look like, you know, during the event? What's your crew going to do? Like, what, what's your schedule look like? And he's like, well, um, nothing's really growing. So, like, we might mow Thursday and, like, <laughs> like, we might mow, like, Saturday night, you know. And I'm like, my mind's blown, man. Like, I've I've worked I've worked member guest events at <laughs> private clubs where their maintenance crew of 13 guys is there all day, and they go out twice a day mowing fairways for like your weekend member guest, you know. And here's a guy over in Scotland hosting the Open Championship. He hasn't sprayed anything other than you know some water on the greens. I mean, it's unbelievable. What does that tell you? It, it it tells you that you know there's a there's a serious disconnect in uh, golfers' expectations and uh, and what we what we require of of you know of our golf courses to have and uh, I've I've dubbed it as Masters syndrome and Masters is my favorite event the whole year I love it man and what a spectacle of agronomic science that place is it's like it's unbelievable what they do and they keep it secretive, uh, which is <laughs> crazy. Um, but you know, we, we turn it on, uh, every April and then you go out to your club or you, you know, I said, I always said the Monday after the masters is superintendent's busiest day because his inbox is filled with green committee chairs or, uh, you know, guests or members or, you know, just golfers saying, you know, what do we have to do to get that? And it's like, <laughs> You know, it's crazy, man. That that works there. Like, we don't need to apply that everywhere else. Like, buy into the RNA model where they let their environmental, uh, environmental, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? They let their circumstances. They let their environment dictate what they do to their golf course. You know, they're not manicuring their golf course to meet expectations. This is what nature has given us, and this is how it's going to be. And you know, we're hosting the Open Championship this week. Yeah, from the origin of the golf course, from the placement of bunkers on some level. Yeah, yes. Um, and, you know, then you look at, um, you know, Carnoustie got a lot of shit for the color of the grass. It, it was fantastic. People I bet cared. It, dude, I bet if you talk to those players, they would say those fairways were divine. I mean, the crunch that they get, compressing the ball off that stuff is unbelievable, man, you know? And we've never seen that here in the States, grass like that. Um and it looks dead. It's not. It's fine. It's just checked out. Um, give a little water. That'll green right up. No problem. It's it's totally fine. And, you know, for them, it's it's great. And I think, you know, a problem here we see with, you know, we'll call it like the U.S. Open is we, uh, 
we manage our golf courses to reflect a score that we want to see and and when nature turns on you a little bit that can it can you can you can lose control of it and the way the rna model where nature dictates how they manage their golf course you'll never you'll never have to like shut down play unless there's you know 40 mile an hour winds right that's so exciting man i love hearing all that stuff i remember i talked to pete Dye a while ago and he was like um you know I, you know, I don't know if you ever got a chance to talk to him. I should send you our interview. Yeah. We talked for an do. hour and, you know, this was uh, five years ago. Yeah. So, you know, obviously he's not quite as with it now. Yeah, yeah. Which Big is fan. sad to hear. Yeah. Um, but he talked on and on about how he's like, you know, he's like, I'm just fascinated by the agronomy of it all. That's what I really love. Yep. And he talked about green speed. Yep. And he had a big, do you know his opinion on green speed? I don't, but. <sighs> he's like, they're too fast. For sure. Why on earth would we set ourselves up to basically your description of the mowers that the member guest? It's like what a waste. Yeah, totally. Well, I, mean, I mean, sure, you're creating jobs, but like at the same time, it's like, you know, you're you're making the golf more expensive. You're making it take longer because the player is like in a three putt. Uh, but he's like, you know, they should be just just slow them down. Who gives a shit? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I grew up. Um, you know, right down the road, we've got Ye- the course at Yale. Mm. Um, fantastic. You know, golden age golf course. Rainer McDonald, uh, just just unbelievable spectacle of engineering, and uh, the the greens are so heavily contoured. The features there are so strong on that golf course, and if if you had greens rolling north of twelve there, I mean, no one would ever get the ball in the hole. Right. You know, and uh, like that's you know they they manage their course to reflect their environment, and they I mean they have to. You know, that's what they're given. So, but how does that go back to the idea that so so is 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 TV the problem kind of like like because we see something on TV and then we want to remulate or is it the problem within us? I think it's our expectation. I don't think TV is the problem. The Masters is going to happen and they should televise it, right? It's you know we need to kind of check ourselves and and see where we're at in the world. You know, we're not here in Scottsdale. We're not capable of giving Augusta conditioning. I mean, the our environment doesn't allow it. You know. Um, it's like that for almost everywhere and 99.9% of clubs budgets don't reflect that and you know in today's world when you have a management company that's running budgets and crunching numbers of your golf course the first place they pull money from is a maintenance budget really every time yeah every time do more with less <laughs> uh, and that's that's a problem and uh, you know a big problem is the the labor that superintendents have and the the guys are great don't get me wrong the crew is fantastic every crew guy who has a golf course maintenance job, loves what they do, for sure. Um, but the industry standard is that, you know, you work six days a week, and hopefully you get your 40 hours, but you still got to show up at 5 a.m. six days a week. Um, you're going to make 11 50 12 bucks an hour. And right down the road, Burger King is offering 13 bucks an hour, five days a week in a controlled environment. Um, so there's a serious, like, you know, problem attracting qualified labor that, um, these golf, these golf courses have, um, I went a little off the rails there. Uh, no, that's, I'm just thinking that's, yeah. that's difficult. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's sort it's of, tough. it sort of sucks. Yeah. It's really tough, man. You know, getting guys, it used to be, you know, before my time, um, I'm probably last of a dying breed where I got into it so I could play free golf. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's why I did that. I don't think, th- I mean, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, the, the guys, you know, on, people aren't allowed to play golf anymore. No, people are allowed to play golf. You just don't have the guys that 
that are willing to do that work, you know, to go to go and play for free. I mean, you're getting you're calling temp agencies just right. just to get warm breathing bodies through the door, you know, give them a backpack blower and go blow leaves or like whatever. Well, it's so interesting because I mean, it's sort of strange because if you look at a golf course, the 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 role that a that someone with a sharp tool can play and potentially create damage on like yeah. you see it you're like yeah. whoa what were they doing there yeah yeah right like, they, a huge line across a hill yeah. and you're like what yeah forgot to uh turn the mower around there <laughs> real quick you know take a take a chunk out of the collar what's left on what's on your like bucket list for golf what do you want what are you looking for well um you know obviously the the next role will be uh design associate uh which will be really cool um because then i you know, what I do now is, is great, right? Like I'm given a set of plans and, and we're out there and we make it happen, right? We see issues. We see issues with drainage installation or what have you. And I'm out there problem solving. And I'm, I'm, I'm giving the shapers the, you know, the image that I want to see for tees and bunkers and what have you, but we're still building uh, my boss's greens to his plan, right? And something comes up, I can call an audible. That's fine. Um, but the next role, you know, I'll be doing the layout, right? I'll be, you know, I'll be overseeing the, the whole project and I can really kind of leave my imprint on, you know, on, on a set of plans and what I want to do. And, um, you know, that'll be fantastic. And what's really cool uh, about, about the Nicholas company is a lot of the guys in the office there who have built the business, um, you know, they're probably in the next decade or so looking for the next chapter of their lives. And, uh, It'll be up to new guys like me um, to kind of carry Jack's torch, you know, and carry my boss Chris Cochran's torch, and um, keep keep it moving, you know. And that's really awesome. I mean, my phone my phone's not going to ring because Dave Marcuselli is the guy there. My phone's going to ring because I'm in Jack's office, you know, and that's really cool. Uh, you know, Jack once I, I heard one of his quotes about architecture, and he and he explained that that would be in some sense. Uh, the courses that, that he works on and builds is uh, like his legacy. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to, you know, learn more about that from him or anything. Or I might actually have the quote on my phone. Oh, yeah. Uh, Screensaver, maybe? No. I mean, we'll get to it. Um, but, yeah, so Jack, you know, he says it's a full, it's his full expression, right, uh, when he gets to design a golf course. Um, he fully gets to express himself and, and, and what he sees fit for the landscape. Um, you know, their modern day architecture critics will say that that business model might be antiquated where Jack has like a firm, you know, there's a, an office of, of guys where, um, the new guys like Keith and Riley are out there in the field every single day. Right. And I don't think, I don't think the model's like broken or antiquated. I think, um, you know, it's, it's great. And Jack was able to do this. I mean, he built, he's built hundreds of courses all over the globe, you know, across the globe. They've held like 400, you know, championship events on Nicholas courses across the globe. I mean, that's staggering, you know. Name another person in the industry that can say that. What? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. They should fact that into the Tiger Jack question. Yeah, no, I know, right, you exactly. Know? Like, well, give Tiger some time. He's he's on, he's on <laughs> some cool projects here, too. He, what about in Chicago? Tell us about that. Yeah, um, Tiger's got a great project uh, going on there in Chicago. Um, you need any help, Tiger, let me know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, they they're they're redoing. Uh, I can't remember the name of the of the park, but it, it's basically it was two golf courses. I think a total of twenty seven holes, perhaps that uh, 
they're they're taken back to 18 on on the choice piece of land. Um, we might have to fact check this when I'm done. But, uh, <laughs> um, we'll we'll switch gears. Yeah, yeah. What um, what uh, you know when you when you think about golf, you know you've probably read a lot, heard a lot, seen a lot. What stands out to you is one of the most important um, kind of perspectives on the game that you kind of think about from time to time. Yeah, uh, great question. And I think the most important thing is. Um, you know, if it, if it's not Ben and Jerry, right? They said it best. If it's not fun, why do it? Um, and I think for golf, whether working or playing or whatever it is, right? If it's not fun, like it's it's a hobby, man. It's a game, right? This should be fun. Um, if I'm if I can't think of any words while I'm playing Scrabble, like that's not fun, and I'm <laughs> and I'm done. Um, and I think you know golf golf needs that i mean if it's if you're not having any fun like you know tennis is pretty cool too like maybe go try tennis um (laughs) but it it needs to be fun and i think as someone who's you know going to have a a future creating a place where an arena where people go and play golf um, i put a burden on myself to make it fun and to make it accessible and to reduce maintenance maintenance costs through intelligent design because like you reduce the cost of maintenance and your green fees go down mm. and it's more accessible to more people. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I just need, you just need to enjoy it, man. That's a number one rule. I love that you brought in Ben and Jerry's into this interview. Yeah, that was man. huge. Yeah. Uh, you know, underground I went to Vermont. The so yeah. Waterbury, Vermont. Great yeah. place. Man. I went to boarding school in New Hampshire. Did you? Cool. Yeah. So, love New Hampshire. Granite state. Yeah. It's a good state. Yeah, it's a good, it's state. good state. I haven't played golf there yet. Uh, I don't know if I have either. I yeah. played a bunch in Vermont. But, yeah. yeah. Um, awesome, dude. Well, thanks for joining me. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, it. Great. Thanks, thanks for having me. Check out, uh, you know, Dave's uh, information down below. Put your cell phone down there if you want to get at him. Sure. <laughs> sure. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. All right, bud.